Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This episode of Choices Not Chances podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. Located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode. This is Choices Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. Sitting next to me is Ryan Rogers. Ryan. Hey, welcome back everybody and I appreciate you being here. Just like always, smash the like button subscribe to the channels let people know what's going on to share this information out this week's episode features robert kerman master sergeant usmc retired i'm super excited to share this episode with you due to the impact that young lance corporal kerman had on me and then subsequently my squad and third battalion second marines we were in our final exercise prior to pushing out on deployment out of 29 palms and i pulled one of the most recent silver star citations that I could find. Um, I wanted to inspire my younger Marines and make them realize that it was the junior enlisted Marines and NCOs that were taking the fight to the enemy. The citation reads as follows. Robert Kerman, citation. The President of the United States takes great pleasure in presenting the silver star medal to Robert P. Kerman, Lance Corporal, United States Marine Corps, for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity in actions against the enemy while serving as rifleman, combined anti-armor platoon, weapons company, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, 1st Marine Division, 1st Marine Expeditionary Force on March 25, 2003, in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Lance Corporal Kerman exhibited exceptional bravery when he led elements when lead elements of the battalion were ambushed with mortars and rocket propelled grenades and automatic weapons fire as the vehicle he was traveling in moved directly into the machine gun fire and into a trench line lance corporal kerman sprang from the vehicle and began assaulting down an enemy occupied trench with two other marines as enemy soldiers fired at him he fearlessly plunged forward towards them firing his m16 with lethal lethal accuracy Continuing to move through the trench, he repeatedly came under enemy fire. Each time, he would calmly occupy a steady firing position and take well-aimed shots that had devastating effects on the enemy. As the group ran out of ammunition, they pressed forward two to 300 meters, utilizing captured enemy AK-47s. Lance Corporal Kerman showed no regard for his own personal safety, and his actions directly contributed to the successful outcome of the engagement. By his bold leadership, wise judgment, and complete dedication to duty, Lance Corporal Kerman reflected great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and the United States Naval Service. Eighteen years later, I met Robert Kerman at post 9983 VFW in Holly Ridge while shooting with some buddies of mine. The introduction was anticlimactic for everybody but me. We all shot, we had a great time, and I was honored to have shot with him. Later on, we talked more, and I was honored again to, re- to attend his retirement just a month or so ago over on Camp Lejeune, and I've been looking forward to bringing you guys this story. There is much to take away from this story, uh, both goods and bads. And uh, junior leaders, if you're watching, you need to pay, t- pay close attention. Um, it will be obvious the things that I'm talking about. So uh, without further ado.
Robert Kerman, thanks for coming to the show, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. So uh, we're going to get into conversation real quick, but I have pointed questions that I ask uh, everybody. So if we'll start there, if you could uh, humor me there. Uh, can you take me back to like family dynamics, where you grew up, what the family dynamic was, and uh, siblings, things of that nature? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Southern California. Um, we got three sisters, mom and dad. They've been married for like 49 years, still going at it. Um, so good family, good upbringing, like, you know, basic suburbia, not rich, not poor, you know, middle class for the most part. Um, you know, just growing up there was, was a little bit awkward at, at times, like Southern California being like during that time, Rodney King, you know, and everything like that. It was just. It was really odd. So I had a good childhood, don't get me wrong. Played sports, Boy Scouts, and everything like that. But, you know, we moved when I was like 13. And okay. at that point, it started to get kind of weird, you know, in, in that area. So we moved to Oregon after that. And um, that was a, a culture shock. No more city. You know, we we're in the country. and um, Like the antithesis of the city. Com- huh? Yeah, yeah, completely different. So it was kind of cool, you know, getting that childhood in one place and then... And then another, you know, different perspective, different kinds of people and everything like that. Um, Southern California was great. Don't get me wrong. Lots of things to do and and activities, stuff like that. But when I moved to Oregon, you know, life got better. Quality of life definitely got better. It was baseball, hunting, fishing. And that's really all I cared about. Yeah, well, that's that's a good time right there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I have three sisters, two older, one younger. We always make the joke like I, my two two older sisters are like college degrees, never did anything wrong, and then you got like me, my, me and my little sister. So like we joined the Marine Corps, we're tatted up, and oh, your little we sisters went the too? other way, yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> funny story. Um, I actually recruited her. So, oh nice. Yeah, I'm just she counted for your numbers. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're sick. I, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Retire next month, and I'm like gonna try to like formulate an apology at my ceremony to her to her <laughs> is she still in no she got oh. out after four years she's the uh, a nurse now like in the er and you know kicking butt so hell yeah dude that's cool yeah so two older one younger you and the younger are are the rebels and then yeah the two older kind of took the high route right and then okay. um a little bit on my mom and dad like my mom uh homemaker great woman just just awesome christian like raised me raised me right you know and so oh, that's another question i was going to have was yeah. was religion ingrained in you guys at a young age in the household yeah it, it was and um you know there were times we didn't go to church times we did uh but god was always you know at the forefront of right and wrong why mm-hmm. we do things a certain way and everything like that and you know it wasn't my faith as a child i went to church because my parents um it was only until like maybe about five or six years ago that it became my faith, mm. you know, based upon my experiences. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely a practicing Christian now, but yeah, back then, um, you know, I'm so glad my mom had, you know, loved me so much, prayed for me and just, you know, had that unconditional love that no matter what you do, you know, they're always there for you. So that mm. was my mom, my dad, same thing, but he was just a little bit more reserved. Um, he was in the Marine Corps. Okay. Uh, 67, 68, uh, with three, third battalion fifth marines in vietnam um and so i think maybe he was a little bit more withdrawn a little bit more serious uh and business-like probably more than my mom if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. 
you know, she was very warm on one side. My dad, you know, he's always there for me, baseball coach, uh, you know, scout master, anything like that, and, you know, a best friend, but he was just uh, very focused on, you know, our proficiency mm-hmm. as, as people growing up, which, I mean, it, it worked out well, I think, for me. It was just huge, yeah. Yeah, they, they've been huge. great. You know, one of the big reasons that I ask about the religion and, you know, everybody's like, oh, why you go there? It's like, well, when you go to the other side of the world and you do and see things that run converse to your ethical and moral foundation as a human being, I think it causes problems. At least it did for me. Um, Not like religion's the problem, but like we have a culture and we put a high price on human life and things of that nature. You go to the Middle East, it's not the same as that. No, and when you're confronted right. at a young age with that, what seems like immorality to you from their own parents sometimes, it's it, it can be devastating to, to people. So um, I also had been ingrained, you know, when I was younger with, with the church and uh, Protestant religion, Nazarene mainly. And then when I got over there, it just rocked me that, my foundational beliefs of things that I thought made up, you know, life were completely not um, observed over there, you know, so. Yeah, that that, that started for me, I think, at a, a, about 17, 18 years old. I mean, like, I loved my childhood, don't get me wrong, and I loved my family, but I knew that I felt like I was missing something. I felt like I was kind of sheltered. You know, I joined the Marine Corps, you know, not only because of 9-11, um, got out of college, you know, like right when that happened and, and joined up. But I also knew there was a, uh, just, I was soft, mm. you know, I was uncultured and there was so much that I, I probably had to go experience that I felt like a, a need to go experience. So I did that and, um, I was conflicted. You join the Marine Corps, it's, it's culture shock. Yeah. It's, it's so different from anything you've ever experienced in your life, you know, from the time you get to boot camp, you know, um, then you go to combat. And like you said, you see how people live over there. You see, you kill people, you know, and you see other people killed. And it's just, it changes you 100%. And so I like the fact that I was based in religion and I knew that as the truth, you know, God's truth. And I came back to that. But for many years after experiencing a shock like that, you know, when when you're 19 years old, you don't have a lot to base it on. So you see how the other world lives. You see the other side and you wonder, well, is that the way to go? Is that the right thing? Yeah, they believe in that just as much as I believe in mine, right? You know, and I don't mean necessarily their culture necessarily, but anything different, you have to test the waters, you know, and if you're you're being smart about it, in my opinion. And I did that and I just, I came back to what I knew was right, how I was raised. That's what made sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you you talk about... um so after after high school, you don't go straight in. You go into college for a bit, right? So can you talk about that a little bit? There's not much to talk about on that, I'll tell you. So, you know, I, I grew up and everybody was like, well, you got to go to college. You know, from a very young age, I remember my grandfather talking about, go get the piece of paper, get your diploma. You know, yeah. there never really was like a why, except for, well, everybody has it. You got to go get it. So it's a go, thing, you know? Yeah. And and now it's like changing the dynamics change. Everybody's like, well, you need to go get a trade because everybody has the piece of paper now. Mm-hmm. So, um, but back then, yeah, I went to, went to the University of Nevada at Reno, not Vegas. And, um, perfect place to go to college oh, when you're young. It eh? was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it 
I lasted two weeks in my classes, and uh, 9-11 happened. Yeah. And it was just like, I was stunned. I was shocked. You know, I, like I, I grew up, my household, you know, the Marine Corps was there because mm-hmm. my dad's service, but it wasn't the forefront. We were not a military family. You know, he didn't go to reunions at that time. And I, I don't think he talked about his service a lot because of, you know, some of his experiences and how the reception for him, you know, coming back home. Yeah, yeah. Um, but something happened when 9-11. Like, everybody else. In you? In me. Yeah. In me. I couldn't even go back to class. It, it just, it, it rocked me. You just That's what it I was. I was so pissed off. I, I really was. And um, I didn't know what the answer was at the time. So, like. A whole week goes by. Everybody's going back to class. The kids stop talking about it. I'm, I'm like walking around the campus. I'm not going to class anymore. And I'm just like, what am I going to do? I got to do something. You know, so there's a, uh, yeah, we bought like a meal plan, you know? So like I'm going to the, is it, what is it called? The chow hall, like cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And there's like these two Marine Corps recruiters with their little table set up. And like I saw them, and something clicked. I'm like, boom, that's it. <laughs> and you know, all the all the years of you know, hearing about my dad and his exploits and whatever. And but I hated it. Don't get me wrong. Like, it was my dad, not me. Mm-hmm. I didn't respect the Marine Corps. And you know, you know how it is with growing up with a dad. Mm-hmm. Like you, you want to go your other way. Something you love him, but at the same time, it's like I'm not following in your footsteps. Not gonna be in this. your shadow. Yeah. Well, I ended up following his footsteps. Yeah. So I mean, it, <laughs> um. Which is great. He's an awesome dude. But yeah, saw those guys. Uh, they were recruiting officers. So I told them like, "Hey, I want to join up." They're like talking about like PLC or something like that. I'm like, "No, no, no. I want to go now." And then he's just like, "Well, you got to go talk to your recruiter at your hometown." You know. So um, I found a way to conveniently tell my parents, you know, that I was still going to college for that semester. I wasn't. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good time in Reno. I'll say that. But I knew it was a little down party there. semester. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had to wait like a couple months to to join up and go to Meps. We gotta get on all the things, right? You know, we had to <laughs> be pure going up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I joined up uh, February 11th, went to Meps and uh, processed, and then April 15th of 01 or 02. I'm sorry, yeah, 02. 02. 02. Okay. Yeah, I waited a little bit. Um, my parents didn't take it well. Oh, I'm sure. I went back in like late November. Oh, uh, it was Thanksgiving. I told them like. I want to join the Marine Corps, you know, and my dad, who was like a rifleman, you know, in Vietnam, he's like, if you're going to go, you got to be an officer. That's the way to go. Don't do it. And my mom's like crying. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally crying in the kitchen. And, um, you know, they talked me out of going infantry. So I signed on, uh, I went, went to the recruiter, told him I want to join, but then like, I forgot. I didn't have the guts to like sign up or something like that. I don't know. So it's like Saturday and he shows up in his dress blues. He's like, you ready to go? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm in my boxers, you know, waking up at like 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I went there like that day and signed the paperwork. And What'd um, you come in as? Job wise. Funny story. So my sister, Lindsay, um, she's like, she's a bulldog for the family. Like you're either going to get into a horrible fight with her, you know? This is the younger? Because of the passion. Like, she's a year older than me. Oh, this is older. Okay. Or she is going to hook you up and take care of you and love you like none other. You know what I mean? And most of the time it is that. But um, we had like a falling out like a year before. And like, we didn't talk a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. She's like, get in the car. We need to talk. I'm like, what? You know? So we go for a drive. And she's like, you need to follow your dream. I think I, I signed on for um, Motor T. Okay. 
you know, because it you know, made my parents happier that I wasn't going to sure. you know, be an infantry. Yeah, yeah. She's like, you need to follow your dream. You need to do what you want to do. And um, it kind of gave me the courage to be like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm going to do that. So I went in, lap moved. The recruiter was like, are you crazy? You know? Like, in the beginning? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, I wasn't at boot camp yet. And, um, you know, I changed it like a, a few weeks before I ended up leaving. To be a rifleman? To be to be. Was it, o, was it O three O three XX? Yeah, <laughs> choo choo. <laughs> Which you know, I, I was, it was infantry to me. I didn't even specify the uh, the different. You know, I didn't know there was differences. So there's so much that they don't tell you. You know, like, <laughs> I, I thought we were all infantry. I went, to, yeah, I went to like one pool function, and so like I got to boot camp, and you know, these guys are getting screamed at on the quarter deck. At, you know, it's, it's it's night. We're all in our racks, like scared, and. I'm like, why are they yelling at him? He's like, he doesn't know his general orders. I'm like, what's a general order? <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. It was horrible. But, you know, I'm a quick learner. I found a, a way to kind of blend in. And um, all things were quiet at boot camp for, for quite some time. Just I got injured. Uh, I think I hurt my knee for like three week, weeks. Went to... Yeah, we're old. Yeah. So, yeah. Lost three weeks of training. Went to uh, MRP. But, like, I used it to build. Like, the, the drill instructors were kind of cool. They're like... Hey, you're a good recruit. So when you go there, don't lose focus. Yeah, yeah. You know, go do push-ups, crunches, everything like that. I remember my dad telling me when he was at boot camp, like, they ended up being, like, honor platoon because their drill instructor had them doing, like, PT at night. Like, extra PT. You know, and they just, just killed the hard. competition. Yeah, yeah. So I did that. I went to MRP, and, like, everybody else is kind of, like, losing focus and everything like that. And, you know, I, I came out doing, like, 19 pull-ups. It's just know. laid. Yeah. Yeah, man. you know, and... um so that was kind of cool. Went back to a training platoon and then, uh, again, all things kind of quiet, blending in. And then went to the range and I shot company high. Oh yeah. And so Skyline. now Skyline. Every dude. I oh, know yeah. your name. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. The, um, what is it? The PMI? Yeah. The PMI, our coach is like, told me if you, if you get range high or company, high, I forget what he said. Now I was like, I'll bring you like a value meal from McDonald's. So like, no kidding. You know, we're at, um, what was it called? We're at Pendleton. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, we're ready to go back to San Diego. And uh, this dude comes in with a 20 piece value meal. Oh, boy. It's like, where's Kerman at? Like, okay. Don't do that to me. My life was over <laughs> at that point. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, skylined heavily. <clears throat> good way at first. And then, um, you know, things turned turned ugly real quick. Turned for the, for the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, how many recruits you find out? Getting a twenty piece value, man. Oh, you know? dude, oh, I hear you. Yeah, and a coke too. So and a coke. It was all good. Did you throw it up? No, no. Like the fourth hat came in and saw me. He's just like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> I'm like, "Aye, aye, sir." What's going on? <laughs> you know. Um, no, I didn't throw it up. Um, later Sorry. on, we went to a baseball game, and let me just tell you something about that one. Like, all, everybody thinks like going to the baseball game is like legit and cool and whatever. They make fun of the, you know the West Coast Marines for that. Mm-hmm. Nah. Like you go there and they tell you like you're gonna eat everything. They give you forty bucks. You get forty bucks at the ATM. You eat everything. That's when you come out and you're just messed up. Bad times. They make you go to dinner chow. They make you fill up your plate, two glasses of milk, and then you go back to the squad bay and you run. Get slid. Oh, that was the worst day of boot camp. That was two weeks before we graduated. That, the same thing happened to me on the East Coast. Only we didn't go to a baseball game. Well, they just let us have it like a like a <laughs> like a family day or something. Okay. Yeah. And we could eat whatever we wanted and go walk around the base. And I ate like a chocolate bar and I ate like a 
like I think like a Wendy's greasy ass burger. <laughs> Dude. Got back, got slayed, puked. There was puke oh, everywhere. Okay, that's good to know. I thought we were like an anomaly. But okay, so it teaches you something, you know. You're like two weeks away from graduating and, you know, here you are, you thinking you're you're, you know, legit, about to be, get your uh, EGA. You're puking and pissing in the squad bay because they won't let you go take go to the head, you know, and um just puke and piss everywhere and you're just hating your life and you're just yeah. like it dawns on you. Well it didn't dawn on me at the time, but looking back now, you're always a boot. To somebody. <laughs> to somebody. To something. And it, it doesn't matter how awesome you think you are. Like, You can be humbled. Be humble. Yeah. yeah. You. you know? So that taught me a good lesson at the time. Yeah, man. And it's a good place to learn that one. So you don't have to learn it later. Yeah. Uh, I, I learned it later, too. I think I learned it later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So let's fast forward. You go out of boot camp. What's your first unit? Went to SOI. Went to something called uh, Receiving. I think and we just sat like there forming for weeks, ready to pick up at SOI. That was terrible. Wait, what year are you talking now? Oh, this was O two, O two middle probably. Yeah, I got there August thirteenth of O two. Um, they, they just had a huge influx of people wanting to come in, yeah. huh? And so it was just like stacking them, huh? I think we had to wait about a month to actually yeah. pick up. So we were just cleaning and and hating our life until then. Um, got there, it it was awkward. And it was just, I don't want to sound arrogant or cocky, but like none of our instructors were combat. It's not like it like, is. Yeah. yeah. You know? And they were like good dudes. They really were, you know, um, taught us a lot. But at the same time, like at the, I was thinking to myself and just my arrogance, I'm like, I'm going to see combat before you, you know? And, and you, and you did, right? And I did. Yeah. So, and I did. Yeah. And. It is, that's not kudos to me or anything like that. And it's not even just, it's not even a, a slam against them. It's it's not. It's like they just didn't have the opportunity. It's more of a slam against me for being arrogant and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not listening to them as you know. Um but you know how it is. You graduate boot camp, you think you're you're legit and everything like that. But um they taught me well. So I check in at three five and that's where I learned my lesson, like day one. Um like the few corporals got like right in front of me and it's just kind of intimidating mm. and i was the only one to check in oh, i didn't fun. have like anybody else and i'm sitting there in my alphas and they're like all right boot you're gonna clean your room and then you're gonna clean our room and that room and his room and my room and um i don't know what i was thinking but i'm thinking well what i said to them was like no i'm not <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm thinking like, well, I'm a Marine now. So like, that's yeah, not how it You're not going to treat me like that. Yeah. Like that was lost. I was so lost. Um, <laughs> I set myself a failure. I really did. Like, so like right in the middle of me saying, no, I'm not. And like their jaws dropping right before they, you know, annihilate me. My gunner sergeant was walking by and he introduced himself as the platoon sergeant. Octaviano Gallegos. Shout out. Sergeant mate. Oh, yeah, one of the best Marines I've ever known. Like without a doubt. He's just. You got the field Marines, you got the garrison Marines. This guy was everything. Mm. And he was at the top of his game at everything. Um, but on this day, he's like, Kermit, what are they doing? What's going on? I'm like, well, Gunnery Sergeant, they want me to clean their rooms for them. And da 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 da. Like, oh, boy. <laughs> so I think I won the day. But like after that, I, I didn't realize, like, yeah, I set myself up for complete failure. Like, they hated me with good reason. Like, yeah, that's a good reason. You know, that's a stupid boot right there, you know? Like, 
Um, well, Gunny, let me tell you exactly what they've been yeah, doing. Yeah, I didn't say it like that, you know, but it was, <laughs> I'm in parade arresting. He takes them into the room. It just didn't go well for them yeah. at all. And, like, they were very bitter after that. And um, <laughs> so we're like, so he was my platoon sergeant. This guy ran to work. He'd run, like, four or five miles into work. What's his name, Octavia? Octaviano, Octaviano Gallegos. He did, like, I think he was, like, a, he was a drill instructor, eighth and I, recon, I mean, he did everything. Just a beast. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, he ran 300 PFTs until he, like, retired, you know. Probably still runs them. It, yeah, I mean, he was just an animal. So he's the platoon sergeant, and then uh, Shantosh is the platoon commander. And um, What was the first meeting with him like? <laughs> or, or, or did you not really even have one? Yeah, yeah I actually did. Uh, I was sitting in the company office, and... Uh, one of the guys like, oh, this guy's going to cat. He's going to cat. Well, I'm, I'm like infantry. I'm not. I don't want to go to cat. Cat sounds like a like a construction piece of equipment or something <laughs> like that. I, I don't. You didn't realize out. what like, cat was. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know what cat was. You know, nobody ever told me. So I'm just like, maybe I'm in the wrong place. You know. So I meet Shantosh, and he's like, all right, tow gunner, da 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 da. Real quick meeting. Um, he just came off as like really cool. I was like, that's that's like. I didn't expect that from a lieutenant. I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. He was prior enlisted, and I didn't know his whole history, but he definitely came off different. Um, week one started up, I, I, like a 12-mile run on Monday. With him? Yeah. Yeah, the whole platoon, but like, then we had like eight-mile hike, and then like another run on Friday. That first week was killer, you know, and then the, the field day on Thursday, you know, going to like three in the morning. And um, yeah, it was a rough week. But it was like, it was a good way to get into it. That's that it. culture shock you're talking about right there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it didn't change. Like we did original line runs, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Like I don't remember a green on green three mile run like ever, ever. Yeah, you know, like the longest one we did was like boots and utes. It was four thirty in the morning to like eleven thirty in the morning. It was like eighteen miles. Uh, Just staying after it. O course, bull in the ring. I mean. I think I broke my rib that day, you know, it was just, it, but it was awesome though, because like at the end of the day, we painted cat three, five on the regimental Oak horse wall. And I think Shantosh got in a little bit of trouble for that, but I'll be honest though. Like you felt like a King, you know, here you are like a PFC, you know, and all these guys, like I hated them at the time. Don't get me wrong. I, I really did. And they hated me. And I'm just like, all they ever do is mess with me. They're mm-hmm. not making me better, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, you're young and you don't get it. I took it personal, you know. But I did know I was part of something special because, I mean, we annihilated competition on, on you know, PFTs. You're just better than everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, I had one guy who was, like, charged with taking care of me. And that was uh, Frankie Quintero, Corporal Quintero. Shout out. Great guy. Awesome dude. Um, he's now my brother-in-law, you know, married uh, Lindsay, my older sister. And um, known him for many years. Yeah, big shout out. Like, just one of the most awesome guys I've known. He was like the one guy who would take time to teach me, mentor me, and, mm. you know, help me through and the he process. he was a corporal when you were... He was a... Yeah, he got promoted like that week Okay, to corporal. Um, so, fast forward a little bit. I mean, that was... Yeah, I checked in October of two. By February, we were in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was an ordeal getting to Iraq. I will say that. We were like the first platoon to leave. 
and the last platoon to get there. We had some. We had an issue in Rota, Spain. Okay. It was well, like, like big, aircraft issue or a marine issue. Um, <laughs> our platoon like beat the crap out of a bunch of people at the O Club or the E Club or something like that. Okay. So I think like a NATO general got involved and like. It, it was in the fight or in the punishment in the punishment <laughs> like we stayed there for like three or four days that's why know, we can't have grounded. nice things <laughs> um very marine of y'all I, I could probably talk for like an hour just about that one story. it was very marine of us yeah one guy okay like, let's get into how'd that happen oh um, like because i've i've so, done the connection flights and i've never been in a <laughs> platoon brawl on one of them so all right so a little negative on this one is uh i wasn't there this is all like story that i get to hear because they're like Boot, you're on weapons watch. Stay in the, stay in the, like, on the plane. So I'm sitting there on the plane, you know, just, and then like that night they come and get me and they're just like, shut up, just get in the bed, get in the rack. Don't say, don't do anything to anything. There's drama, craziness going on. There's drunk, everything. And I'm just like, one guy fell out of the rack, broke his leg, you know, and I don't know where my leadership is, but I'm not saying a word at this point. I kind of learned my lesson. Like I'm laying like, right here. Quiet, you know? <laughs> Well, I guess what happened was like they're all having this great time, and they're like these army first sergeants in there, and you know more how Marines are, yeah. you know, around other services. Like we're better, right? You know, at least we in our mind uh, say that. And um, I guess one of the guys was like, "Hey, I'm gonna get him," and and I guess the Marines were like, "Yeah, do it." So he just cold cocks him right there. The Marine cold cocks the army guy. Some air, some airmen. Oh. And we had our Lance Corporals apparently like throwing bottle caps at the first sergeants, you know, like all night. So the story I hear is basically like our platoon went through the airmen and the army and then went off on each other. It was just like a big brawl, you know? And, you know, we're going to beat everybody up. And then when we run out of people to beat up, we're going to beat the shit out of each other. Which was like, well, that's that's on par for this platoon. Perfect. Like, you know beat up everybody and then beat up yourself. So, um, and I'm still highly impressed with these guys. Don't get me wrong. I hated them, but like, I really revered them and looked up to them. And uh, even at that point, you know, and I still hated them, but so we get over and, you know, fast forward like a a month later and like, you know, the bulk of combat is done in Iraq and these guys were so awesome the way they performed, you know, it's like looking back now, they're young, they're, I'm not going to say they're kids. They're, they're young men who had never been in combat before. And they and just, weren't even trained by anybody in combat, really. Weren't even, yeah. But that, that's what's even more impressive. Two things Shantosh always like said. He said, physical fitness and discipline. He's like, that's all I care about. And we had that, mm. you know, for the most part, you know, aside from like, aside from the booze. Spain, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, alcohol takes people in a different place. So, yeah. um, but yeah, like, Physical fitness made them tough. Discipline made them, you know, um, follow authority, you know, respect authority and, and obey orders. And when the bullets flew, nothing changed. Mm-hmm. You know, fear was not, well, it, it was there, but it wasn't a factor. And it's uh, it's contagious. That's one thing about Shantosh. She was contagious. Like, it, it, even if it was just like a PT run or, you know, pass out tap out like it didn't matter what it was he made it the way he made it cool to where it was like be the one who goes against it you know and like you didn't want to go against it it was you wanted to do you be a part of it you wanted to be a part of it you know and not every leader has that ability he did he made it just 
he would go to a company or a platoon and it just the whole culture would change and so yeah looking back uh we were so fortunate to have him there and i, I gallegos the platoon sergeant ended up going to like a different company um but the marines in that platoon were very lucky to have him you know mm -hmm. because we got in combat and we weren't We just ran over the top of them. Yeah. You know, and like, I think we probably would have done that anyway. You look at the advantages, disadvantages, military speaking, but mentally, like, uh, the new staff sergeant, Staff Sergeant Keeney, platoon sergeant, told us, he's like, when you go over there, just imagine you're already dead. Imagine you're already dead. So get fear out of there. The only thing that matters now is take care of the Marines to your left and right. Mm hmm. And that was like really good advice. And like, I remember talking to a lot of the guys who were, you know, we're all on the border of uh, Kuwait and Iraq and there's, there's a lot of fear. But when he said that, it was like, we kind of just relaxed and we mm. were just able to go in, do our job, do what we needed to do. And, um, you know, it worked out. I think that's great advice. I, I think that, um, when I pushed margin 10, it was a couple days before I accepted that I wasn't coming home. Right. Yep. But damn it. Once I accepted it, and you turn into something more because you don't mind. So you'll do a little bit more. You'll expose a little bit more. You'll run a little further because you already accepted it and you're not trying to run from it anymore. It's almost like you're running to it. Without a doubt. Yep. And I think that's great for combat. It's great all the way until you make it. <laughs> and then when you make it, you've had this switch in your head flip that says, I'm already dead. And then you come back to the real world and you're not dead. And I think that, that that can be a struggle for some people, yeah. at least initially. Yeah, you kind of give me a, I got goosebumps when you said that. I've never really heard it put into that. Bef no, because I think it makes like, you a great, uh, you're 100% correct. Far though. better warfighter at the time to have that mindset. It's great at the time. But when you discontinue the rest of your life and then you come back to it, it's like. It's hard to come back. Or when you discount, not discontinue, when yeah. you discount it. When so, we were thinking it was over at that time, we come home after the deployment, and then you hear about you hear about something called an IED, and I was like, "What are those? Army's getting screwed up right now." You know. No wait on and your uh, first on your if we can go back. Yeah. Sorry. What was your first? Um. What was your first contact? <laughs> can you go through that? Yeah. Um. It was not good, so. The platoon hates me, you know, and like, uh, is this, you think this is purely because of you're the only one to hate? <laughs> no, like I gave them because reasons. Because you can't, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I gave them reasons. Um, I was trying my best, but at the same time, like I didn't want to play the part of boot. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be, yeah, I'll be the new guy, but teach me. Don't just punk me out. Don't just like, you know, haze me. Yeah. You know, and, um. I think they were, again, they were young. They were probably doing what their senior wins did to them, yep. you know. But to me, it didn't make any sense. I'm like, I'm going to fight side by side with, with you. you. Make yeah. me better, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Q did that. The other guys, it was just like a, you know, gang up on the boot kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's fine. You know, it, I think it helped me out. With everyone, you see the good, you see the bad. You take the good and you leave the bad, you know. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that's how it, it, it grew me up. But, yeah, so we're in Kuwait. Uh they turned, what, 
Because you're like in the initial group that goes over, right? Yeah. Like generation kill style. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we get our vehicles, all these brand new vehicles that had never been used or anything like that. They're in the, the motor pool. And uh, I had to be on watch with some corporal. And uh, corporal's smoking. It's nighttime. Smoking <laughs> on post. You know, it's definitely the wrong thing to be doing, right? But he's doing it, you know? And I'm just like, I think I was like a newly promoted Lance Corporal. I'm like, well, can I have a drag corporal? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. So I take one drag off this thing. Staff Sergeant Kenny comes out right then. Mm. He's like, Carmen! Good. Fuck. Wakes up the whole platoon. And, like, I didn't get to smoke anymore. Like, they banned me from smoking, and I had to pick up a thousand cigarette butts a day. You know, until we went to combat. So I'm just really hating my life. And they're hating me, too, because now they're being punished because, you know, I smoked a cigarette at, at night on post. And The um, corporal didn't stick up for you? Like, oh. Nah. Nah. Yeah, it is what it is. Um... So we, so then we crossed the border into Iraq, and like the first few days, there's like nothing going on at all. Um, we're going through the southern oil fields. You know, the enemy is basically, we're passing some dead bodies in here and there. And we see Artie definitely got theirs, Air got theirs. And uh, we're in the oil fields. Uh, Quintero is up on the gun. I'm just the A gunner. We got five dudes in our truck. And like no place to sleep it was, it was pretty cramped and then you know you know the toes where you got the mgs you got yeah. the vehicles completely full so i'm like sleeping you know recruit style for like five days straight oh yeah it was, it was crimped up. um and that was combat for like the first free, first few days and so he's tired he you know i go up there and as soon as i get up there i'm like hey i think i see like the enemy like there's like this deuce and a half truck you know, and these like five dudes in like dark outfits wearing like berets, but like they don't seem like a threat. But you know, I'm calling it up. I'm like, hey, 200 yards away, da 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 da, whatever. A little quick address, and they're like, is it? it are they the enemy? I'm like, I, I think they're not. They're not Marines, you know. And um, so we get online and we start chasing these guys. They're driving away, mm-hmm. and you got like a 240, a 50 cal, a uh, tow. And then, I kid you not, there's an Abrams on our left flank. And we're, like, online chasing this truck. You're trying to catch them instead of shoot them? or what we were trying to do. So okay. they stop. They stop. And all these guys, like, five guys run to, like, the front of the truck. So now, maybe the truck was going to stop our weapons from, you know, basically the truck they're going to use as cover. Well, you know, we'd never been in combat before, but that's the enemy. Let's start shooting. 240 opens up, 50 cal starts opening up, a little bit less than, you know, accurate on the 50. So um, the the tank was really cool and gracious. They were just, like, waiting, watching us do our thing. And uh, they're like, shoot the toe. Like, it's 200 yards away with a toe. That's like a 1,500-yard shot with a, an M16, you know. It's too close. It's not going to acquire the target. I had been up there for five seconds. I didn't even get a chance to, like, chance to, like op check it. They're like, shoot it. I'm like, no. I'm being ordered to shoot. I'm like, fine. Okay. And uh, back ballast area all secure. <laughs> Toe on a wire. <laughs> that whole thing. So it pops off and it goes out about 40 yards and just dumps into the berm and blows up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, come to find out later, um, they had the dust cover over the, the, acquire, the site, basically. Like, I could see, but... The missile wasn't tracking because of that. And um, 
so my popularity platoon with, with platoon did not get any better like people mm-hmm. were passing me up they're like just stay in the back of truck and don't do anything you're worthless it, you know and i'm that hating sucks my life. So dude, bad, it was, it was horrible that sucks so bad and all i wanted to do was like prove myself yeah you know? And I knew I was capable of more. You know? Does it make sense that, the, like, and I'm just, you know, Monday yeah. morning quarterback in here, but does it even make sense why the dust cover would have been on? Or do you travel with them on? Is that, like, at the time SOP, so you got to take it off before you make your shot? I could see why he did it. I wouldn't have done it. Right, okay. But, you know, I was also okay. a brand-new Marine. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't have done it, but I could see why. He, he had been up on the gun for days, and I think at some point he's like, well, I need to protect the weapon system. Yeah. So I kind of get that, yeah. you know, but I didn't have time to, to do anything. And then it's like right now making Literally, decisions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So fired the, uh, the toe and uh, it was a horrible miss. At that point, they called a ceasefire and like we, you know, closed with the enemy and, you know, took these guys and we, we captured them, you know. You didn't kill any of them? Didn't the kill 240s? any of them. No? Yeah, nothing. Like, okay. I don't know. Gunners were off. Well, I mean, they probably got intel from them. Shit. A little bit of that. And, you know, the whole. POW thing, you know, the first few days, a lot of guys giving up, but, um, and then, and then I got my day. So, um, we're moving up this highway. No, no, no. Hold on. on. Yeah. Just, just for me, if we can go back a second, you capture these guys, you you make this, this shot, you're, people are kind of writing you off like this, this fucking idiot. Is this the next day? I think it was a few days after. So a few days of treatment. Yeah. And now we're going on another mission or we're continuing the push or can you set that up? Yeah. A few days after. And then we finally got on, uh, I think it was called highway one and we're traveling north on it. we got four tanks in front of us and, but we had not seen any action. So right now it's just like my only reputation. You missed the toe shot. You're worthless. Sit in the back and don't do anything. And, um, it was lonely. I'll say that it is. Not only are you in combat and you know, you're fearful of your life, but like you, you're isolated even more because your entire platoon hates you. Yeah. Or at least I'm thinking that, you know. And um, I just wanted a way to redeem myself, you know. Like I was looking for that. I, I really was. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up getting the opportunity. So I think a few days later we were uh, set up for the night, setting up the defense. And, you know, I'm on the toe, I got the thermals up and I just see all, all this movement, you know, up north on the road. And, uh, so I called out to Quintero. I think they reported up to battalion, but I'm not sure. Like nothing was done about it necessarily, mm-hmm. but there was definitely a lot of, a lot of action out there. So the next morning, um, you know, column formation, four tanks in front of us and, uh, Shantosh, I don't, I'm not sure why he did it I, to this day. I probably should ask him, but. He's like, hey, Kerman, get out of your vehicle. You're going to ride with me today. You know, I used to be like, we were third from the front. Well, I ended up that day going in his truck, uh, lead bit. And um, I had no place to sit or anything. Like, I'm literally on top of the Humvee. You're dismount in the Humvee? Or you're driving? Or? No, McCormick's driving. There's a 50 cal gunner. There's an RO. There's a lieutenant. And then uh, me sitting on top of the... But he said he needs an extra pair of eyes. That's what he said. So I'm sitting on top of the Humvee and I'm holding my, you know, my rifle. Outside of it. Outside of it. Yeah, I'm not even in the turret. I'm just like on top of the vehicle. And um, the tanks stop and one of them traverses about two o'clock and then the other, and then further traversed 
three o'clock. And when they did that, you know, at first you're looking out in the distance, what do they say? And they were engaging something with a 50 cal. And so now our interest is peaked. Mm-hmm. We're stopped. Two o'clock and then three o'clock. And as soon as that tank went three o'clock, everything just opened up. There's mortars, there's machine guns. Basically there was a, a berm that was parallel with us about maybe 40 yards off the road. Uh, and we looked right, you know, we're all looking straight. And then we looked straight at three o'clock and there's the enemy. Um, I think it was like a platoon plus or something like that. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but like 60 enemy probably um, up on the berm and they're firing RPGs, machine guns and everything. And this happened very fast. So like mm-hmm. I'm sure other people in the column have like a different take on it sure. or timing wise. All I know is our vehicle beelines it for like this small break in the berm. It's about a vehicle size break. Just cuts right and goes. Cuts right and goes. And it occurred to me about like 20 yards into it that like the driver forgot I was up there because we're going up over bumps and everything. I'm catching air. I'm holding the inside of the turret, holding my rifle. And I'm just <laughs> catching air and like, they don't care about me at all. Like I could fall off this thing, or whatever. And um, so we, we get into the break. I dismount. And immediately, I don't mean this in a bad way when I say this, okay? So, Shantosh immediately takes my rifle. He like, and it was it was implied, like, this is the right thing. But he got out too. He's like, give me that. And like, I gave it to him. Mm-hmm. I gave it to him not more than he just took it. I don't mean that for people to like look at this. Yeah, yeah. He's talking crap, you know. Um, he needed it because... He saw there was like flank security on there and he immediately like took two guys out that were like 10 yards away. Mm-hmm. So, so pre- like you break into this break in the berm and as soon as you hit the break, you can see left the right. enemy left and right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And there weren't many to the left, but there were to the right. There was a lot to the right. And so he goes to the right and now I'm like weaponless real quick. So I, I'm right next to the Humvee, so I go in and I grab the 50 cal's, uh, the gunner's rifle, mm-hmm. which is not BZO to me in any way, shape, or form. Now, can the gunner not get on these guys? I'll be honest, I wasn't paying attention to him okay. at, at the time. Um, maybe he couldn't, because I think we were at a point in the berm where like his geometry was not lined up straight down. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to move about five more yards, six more yards to flatten him out to. Yeah. 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 And I mean, looking back, if we would have moved up five more yards, it would have made everything simple, you know, wop, wop. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Butterfly up. Um, good question. Actually, I've never asked that. So they're going to the right and I'm thinking, well, somebody needs to cover to the left. And so, you know, I, I cover down on the, uh, the 180 type of thing. And, um, there's like three enemy. Oh, I start shooting at them and I'm missing. And I'm just like, it, it's kind of weird what goes through your mind at that time. And I'm shooting and missing at like 30, 40 yards. And I'm just like, nothing's going right in my life. You know? <laughs> like what is happening right now? And I go from like company high shooter boot camp to missing for It's most frustrating. I still have dreams literally where I'm shooting the enemy. I'm like squeezing the trigger. And I'm missing everybody. And hopping, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's kind of creepy, but that's what was happening, you know? And um, so I, but I am seeing my impacts on the berm. 
I had that. So I just start aiming like three feet up and about a foot and a half to the right. Just and, offsetting them? Yeah. And um, those three were gone, you know. And so um, I turn around and these guys are like 20 yards ahead of me. Yeah. No, well, I was just... What are these guys... When you make that left to cover down and... Chantage is now going right. Yeah, and uh, McCormick too. And McCormick's going right. So you button hook to cover their back. See these three dudes, and you just go ham on. Boom, 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 boom. Now are they cuddle? Are they in the same spot? Are they? They were like trying to run spread away. out. Oh, they're they were, running from you. Yeah, they're. I think they had like a hole, maybe a tunnel or something uh-huh. like that, because like they were stopped. You know, okay. they weren't like necessarily like running, but they were definitely trying to get away or, or evade us to some yeah, extent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I knew that, like, by leaving them... Oh, you can't leave them. Now our backs were exposed. Yeah, 100%. You know? And so um, they went down, and then I turned back, and, like, they're already, like, 20 yards down the berm. So I catch up to them. And um, one thing is that being in cat, you know, we're going to stay mounted probably this whole time, right? So, you know, all our magazines we put on these bandoliers, like, over the seats. Yeah. And so when we dismount, we got nothing Yeah. as far as ammo is concerned. I did have an extra in my right cargo pocket. And so I'm working with two mags. And at this point, weapons are starting to jam like crazy. You know, like one weapon jams, uh, give give it up, like clear, start shooting. You mean, th- you mean chantages? Yeah, his would, would jam up. So he'd hand it back to you to clear it? And I'd, I'd, I'd take it, start clearing it out, and... Uh, but then that one would jam. And like I remember clearing it out like two, at least two times. One of them was like a Type 4. It was a bad malfunction. And I remember seeing at the range, I don't know how I remember this, but I remember seeing a drill instructor like pull the charging handle back and slam it on the deck. Yeah. And the round came out. But until then, you know, you're trying to pull back. There's nothing happening. And so I did that and it, and it cleared. And, uh, which was kind of cool. You know, I didn't even know. I was like, ah, maybe this will work. And it, it worked. And um, so at this point, I don't even know what's in my rifle. You know, I'm shooting. There's like guys about 200 yards away. Here's the thing. There's guys 10 yards away. There's guys 200 yards away. It was just kind of weird the way. In we, a line. Yeah. We came up on people. Like some people were noticing. Some people were not, you know. And so we're going down the line just shooting. But there's. There's far targets. Um, because these guys are still firing at the at the ambush on the road, right? Right. And they didn't even know that you'd broke in, so now you're coming down, and with all the chaos of them, mm-hmm. they think they have flank security, and you guys are coming down just wiping. Yeah, they were tunnel vision yeah. on the battalion. So it, it started to work out real well, but like there's still only three of us, and with the other guys noticing, and you know we're getting return fire at this point, and um, I remember taking like getting like two guys far off, just seeing them fall when I shot. But like McCormick and Chantosh, they were going close, you know. And um, what happened? We basically ran out of ammunition. Mm. Um, McCormick and Chantosh were like, we're getting out of here. So we're running. But there's like five guys chasing us. And you know, at this point, I don't even know what's in my rifle. But, you know, there's dirt kicking up around us. And, you know, I'm going to get one in the back at any point, right? Mm. Um, I was done with it, man. Like I just remember being like, "F this!" I remember screaming that out, like, "Fuck!" You know. And I turn around, I get in the prone. Like if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna go out like that, yeah. not getting one on the back. And so, um, 
the first two guys, one shot, one shot, but they were running at us and shooting. What kind of range are we talking about? They were about 20 yards. Oh, they're on you, on you. Yeah. So you just button hook and drop to the prone? Yep. And then yep. just let one, them One, two. Two of the guys got down on the prone and started shooting. One shot, one shot on them. And then the other guy was like, oh, dude. And it, so I... Took him down. Yeah. Quick he died breath. tired. <laughs> Slow steady squeeze. Um, yeah, took that guy. And then that was an awkward moment in the fight, too, because I got done doing that. I think Shantosh and McCormick were like, what the hell got into you, you know? <laughs> so they look at me, and I'm just like, I start laughing. I'm like, what? <laughs> They're just like, oh, let's get out of here. Nothing. Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we get back, and uh, one this is kind of crazy, but like one dude, one of the enemy was like really close to the vehicle. I don't know why he didn't do anything at the time, but all I know is as I'm running from the front to the, to the rear, Thomas Franklin, the gunner like opens up on this guy point blank. I'm thinking he's trying to kill me. Busy, With like, the 50. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. He drops the T and E and I see a muzzle like right here and I just get down. He starts opening up and I, the concussion from each shot is like reverb you know, oh, yeah. in my, in my head. And, um, you know, the guy got torn to pieces. He did it. He did a great thing. One thing I skipped is as we were like closing on the berm, he's actually taking people out. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I mean, it saved our butts on that. So you stayed right in the gun while the truck's going crazy and coming in on these guys, just letting her eat. Yeah. I mean, he he did a great (laughs) job. That guy was cool too, because like he got stop lost. He was Mm -hmm. always like, there was like my, my seniors, Mm -hmm. you know, they're like two year mark. And then there were like the guys who got stop lost and those they were not people to mess with, you know, like they were in college and like they were already jobs. angry before they got there. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, so I didn't talk to them and they didn't talk to me, but, um, they were kind of cool because they didn't mess with me either. Not really. You know, it was the other guys. And, um, now nah, he was, he was cool. He was solid. He was very dependable. Good guy. But he now was this guy like coming up to get you? Franklin, the gunner? No, no. Oh, the, oh, the, the I, guy I, shot. I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't even see him. All I know is I thought Franklin's trying to kill me. <laughs> you know, I see the, the 50 cal. And then I look into this guy's just disappearing before my eye. Just getting wrecked. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So um, that, that kind of ended it. Does uh, this change the dynamic from the way the platoon looks and treats you at all? Yeah. So um, our section leader at the time, basically before we left, was like he gets like everybody in one side and he's like, Kerman, you're never going to be like us. You're never going to be one of us, no matter what you do. Like, screw you. We hate you. And I'm just like, gosh, man, you know. And um, he told me, he's like, you can't smoke. Like, you're banned from smoking. I love smoking, especially mm-hmm. in combat, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I didn't have a cigarette for, like, a few weeks. So I'm really stressed out, you know. Like, I definitely had to go kill somebody that day or something, right, you know. Yeah. But um, I think uh, at that point, you know, this this – dust storm started coming the whole sky turns orange oh yeah it felt like an apocalypse or something like and, the movie uh, the mummy yeah i didn't think that shit was real until Dude, i was over there right yeah so um as soon as the firefight ended like we took some toe shots on enemy trying to get out of the area and you know they were hit basically the trucks full of dudes like enemy yeah. and yeah i was actually dust cover was off the uh <laughs> site so yeah, three toes online. I'm looking at it, and they take their two shots, probably about two thousand meter shots, and I'm just observing at this point. Am I going to take a shot because I don't want to cross wires or anything like that? And 
They go behind a little hill, disappear for a minute, and these gunners just tracked by time. Not seeing it, as soon as the vehicle appeared, one missile went over, and one just obliterated. I mean, pieces flying everywhere. And that ended it. It was over. Um, it, it, it didn't take long, maybe 10 minutes at the most, I think. And um, they were all dead. You know, I don't remember any being wounded. Everything. Know. Well, I mean, yeah. you talk about the shock could kill you anyway, just from the explosion. You might not For even that, take fragments, yeah. you know. I think maybe in the in the back there were some wounded or something like that. Maybe we took a few prisoner, but, you know, um, we had one KIA. My, my vehicle, the vehicle that I was actually supposed to be in that day, right where I was sitting, took an RBG oh. right in there. Um, our corpsman was killed, and then uh, that same RPG, like, grazed Quintero. So, you know, the guy who had been, like, my mentor that, you know, just a really solid dude was gone, you know. Uh, he got wounded. I, I didn't know if he was dead or not. Like, nobody, nobody, I got back to that vehicle, and they are like, yeah, come back because we need you. We only got two people left, you know, the VC and the driver. So now I'm full-time going around with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, yeah, everything changed within... 10 minutes of the fight ending dudes are just like starting to talk about what happened and you know a few of the guys who i thought hated me are like my best friends now coming up like dude we heard what you did man like that i was like can i have a cigarette so i'm smoking <laughs> all i wanted was a cigarette <laughs> the whole time <laughs> and the section leader's looking at me like mad so i just take this drag this long drag and i just stare at him like, what are you gonna do like fuck you what are you gonna do at this point so, you know yeah, and yeah. uh which was dumb, but, um, yeah, everything kind of changed and, uh, you know, it, it settled back down like that whole went away and they went back to hating me for a little while, you know, but cause I was their boot, you know, like nothing's it was your job. in that. Yeah. It was their job. So, um, as bad as that is to say in the beginning, they only knew what they, what was done to them. Yeah. And, and I'm not making excuses because at some point you got to pull your head out of your ass and say, Hey, this might be the guy that's saving my life here soon. And I probably shouldn't treat him like shit. I should probably make him better like you're talking yeah. about. But yeah. in the beginning, that wasn't the case. No, exactly. Um, and so, you know, things did change a little bit. But like, you know, that, that really, you're never, it's not going to be, you're not boys. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you shouldn't be. You no. Know? You just shouldn't be. That, there's, that's just the way it is in the core. And um, so, yeah, things changed. After that, we had contact every day until like the end of the war. You know, which I think the war only lasts like, three weeks or something but still every single day and after you know it was it was just really neat man like um getting shot at not even scared observing mm-hmm. lo- looking for looking for the enemy mm-hmm. you know call out the adrack you know engage do what we needed to do and you know it's as contagious as that was i mean the entire platoon did it except mm-hmm. for like one guy mm-hmm. there's one guy who who didn't and um he got replaced real quick, you know. Not the place where you can not be firing. Yeah. Know? Not the or, kind of deployment where you can you just. Know, hiding behind hide. a tire when, you know. It, some guys perform, some guys don't, you yeah. know. But at that platoon, like, except for one, like, everybody did. Everybody did. It was the, yeah. just the neatest thing. You know? That That is something that's cool. I, anytime I talk to Marines or Marine leaders, it's like, at the end, I usually ask them, what was the most... Uh, gratifying thing that you experienced and almost to a T every one of them says watching the Marines that I trained or that I worked with do what they were supposed to do in austere conditions. And it's like, yep, that's mine too. Like when you see Marines do what Marines are trained to do, 
um, they're good at it. I would and agree it, 100%. It's freaking amazing to watch. It, it is. And um, just this, I, I guess at this point in my life, I'm so grateful. You know, I don't talk to any of those guys, but mm. like, I'm so grateful that, that I was a part of that group and that they were who they were. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, love or hate, it, it doesn't matter. Like, they did such a great job. And, you know, you, for me anyway, with my dad being in the Marine Corps and hearing the stories and you go to boot camp, you hear about all this. And, I mean, my grandfather was in World War II also, like Tarawa, Saipan. And, I mean, there's lineage of history in my family. And then you actually get to experience it and you perform well and mm. you, you win the day, you know. Um, I, it, it was still very, like, not a lot of, that was my only experience. We won, you know. Um, and it was tough going back. Mm-hmm. because we knew we'd end up going back. Our next deployment was uh, Phantom Fury. And um, that's when all the negative stuff happened in my life. Uh, but bef- before that, I just want to make uh, talk about it in the write-up, but what what was what was the outcome of awards on, on that berm? Oh. Because okay. there was three or four of you, right? Three, yeah. Three of you? Yeah, I think uh, you know that entered the Santos got Navy Cross, McCormick and I got Silver Stars. Uh, I think uh, Franklin and uh, Cordy, the, radio, the RO, he like took some guys captive or something like that. I forget. I think they got NAMs with okay. these or Navy Cons or something like that. Um, and again, I'm naive at the time. I'm like, oh, like, I do you even know that? Like, did they even tell you? Because, um, like, not my, really. in my experience, I didn't know awards were happening until awards <laughs> happened kind of thing. There was this guy named Mata in our platoon. And I remember he came up, and he's, like, real serious guy. Like, this this dude meant business. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And he, I'm not going to go on all the stories, but he was not a person to mess with. And um, he walks up. But he was also cool. Like, there was a light-hearted, you know, part of him. And I, I don't know if he was messing with me or serious. I don't know. But he walks up, and he's just like... You know I'm not impressed about your bronze star, right? I could I could care less. And walks away. It was like during the war, and I'm like bronze star. What are you talking you know what about? he's talking about? Yeah, I had no idea. Um, you know, later on you find out you get you got put in for an award. I got uh, a meritorious promotion. I don't think anybody expected me to get. In fact, Shantas told me that he's like, we didn't expect you to get this, but we put you in and you got it. So, uh, 13 months, corporal. You think my senior Marines were a little upset about that? Oh, I bet the they were, were happy as hell. Oh, <laughs> um, but you know, kind of thing. What I was alluding to, to, I guess, transition from this. Everything was great at that point. Meritorious promotion. I'm going to get decorated. We won. We we took one KIA, which really sucked. But aside from that, like, but that's pretty good numbers. I mean, you know, it's especially for an invasion, right? You know, inherent. It's going to happen, <coughs> and. Um, up to that point, it's everything you see in the movies. It's everything you you want it to be, and uh, I was so naive. I was so naive. So I got my when it started to go downhill. I, I go back and uh, you know I'm like, man, I went deployed combat done this. Like, I guess I should get married now. So I get married. Yeah, it all went downhill. With that. Check the box. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a walking, talking. Get up out of these reef, bricks. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and that wasn't bad yet, but then April 17th, uh, 2004, I lost my best friend. So 
So he was a year behind me in high school. I got him to join. And I remember telling his mom at um, his boot camp graduation, she was really worried. And I, uh, I told her like, don't worry, by the time he even gets there, the war is gonna be over. And I was right, the war was over. But then you had something called, you know, um, IEDs and the insurgency mm-hmm. that I guess a lot of people didn't see coming. So I sure as heck didn't. You know, and it's starting to ramp up. And he's with uh, 3-7, um, Lima 3-7. And uh, yeah, April 17th, 2004, uh, up in a place called Haseba, I think yeah. it was up by the Syrian border. They got into it. And um, he was KIA that day. Gary Van Leuven, just awesome dude. And that's like, everything changed. Like, at this point, you know, you got, you got that happening. Um the Fallujah Bridge, uh, what was it? Blackwater. Yeah, that was, it all happened, and Got then the first push. Yeah, like all that, and then uh, Nick Berg. Remember that guy? Yeah. Yep. And now I'm just like, I'm so bitter. I'm so full of hate. Yeah. You know, and like three weeks later, I get awarded my Silver Star. I didn't even care about that. I just wanted to go back and kill people. Yeah. Like I really, it just, you know, I was I was young, and like just everything hit at once. Yeah. Marriage, best friend dying, like it's the downward slope is starting to occur. And so we train our butts off to go to, uh, we knew we were going, we went to Fallujah and house to house and that whole thing. We did exactly what we trained for. Like we knew it was coming, we trained for it. And you know, but it's inherent in that type of fighting, you're gonna take your casualties, you know? A lot. A pretty good amount, yeah. I forget the exact number. and being in cat, you're almost insulated to some extent because you're your support. Mm-hmm. Right? You're just an O three pogue, you know. And um, <laughs> so, you know, my role at that time was I was a sectional. Uh, I had two trucks basically, and our section was tasked with uh, convoy security, logistics, convoy security. So, I mean, we're t- fuel, ammo, casualties, and um, you know, we kept going on. In between Fallujah is like, and this small little village, I forgot what it was called, Sacagawea, I don't know, Sacktown, they call it. Sacagawea. Yeah, something like that. I think we called it that, but that's like an Indian name or something, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. I don't know. A notable historic. (laughs) Anything went. Called it Sacktown. So between there, like, we just kept making this right turn across the desert and back to Route Mobile to Fallujah, Camp Fallujah, or Baharia, that's what it was. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I'm still young, but at the time I'm like, something's going to happen here at this turn. Like we've, we've got to be getting observed by somebody, you know? And, um, so I go to the, the three, the four, I'm just reporting to anybody I can. Like we need a post right there. We need it. It's got to happen. Like there's too many vehicles going and crossing that one spot over and over again. You know, a hundred yards away is this little village. Enemy's got to be in there. Mm -hmm. And so, um, come back and like an IED hits and like two guys get killed at like, that place. Right. I gave him a 10 digit grid of where it would be. I think it was like three yards off, three meters off, you know? And like the next day there's like this post. I'm like, are you kidding me? So like, maybe I didn't speak up. Maybe I should have like done something different, you know? Mm. Cause like I saw this before it happened. And so that sucked. And then, um, I think it was like December, 14th December 12th uh, I was attached to Kilo Company Kilo Company took a lot of casualties and it was, uh, it was Corporal Johnson I think it was Cor- Corporal Johnson his 
attached to his squad. He had two people left in his squad. So it was like me and eight other guys from Weapons Company get Filled attached. Him in. And like he ended up getting killed like three days after that. And, you know, but on this day before he was KIA, um, like a block away from the Kilo Company CP, a platoon had gone out to look for blankets because it's freezing. We didn't have cold weather gear or anything like that. So they go in and the first guy up the stairs is killed. They're like this pocket of insurgents up in these these like two buildings basically. And so very quickly, like we're coming back as this popped off, back to the CP. You know, daylight is pretty much starting to cease and um, the whole company is running out. And we're like, what the heck's happening, you know? You realize there's something going on in these two buildings. I immediately get these two trucks, like, you know, rear security. Mm -hmm. If you see anything come out, you know, blast it. And um, as I'm, so the whole building's cordoned off. And I'm doing accountability. My guys, I'm like, one of my Marines is missing. I'm like, what? Like, where's Munoz at? And they're like, I think he went up in one of the buildings. So I'm like, stay here. Don't move. Nobody goes anywhere. So I run over to this building. And um, all hell's breaking loose. Like, in the building. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're And after. outside of it, man. Like, I'm not going to get it. I'm very bothered by this day because we were trained to use supporting assets, supporting arms, you know. And um, on this day, we didn't, you know. Somebody made that call. And when they made that call, it was like, no, my guy's got this. And um, within 15 minutes of, of that decision... I think like five more KIA, over 20 wounded, like mass casual. It was horrible. And um, I remember dragging two of those guys across the street and I mean, they were just, you know, and just, we got our butts kicked, basically. Did you find Munoz? Yeah, eventually I found him. He was like somewhere else. He was in the house or not? Yeah, he did go in the house. And like, I went in trying to find him and there's this gunny like, get up there, go, go. And I don't know, it was like this bit of common sense at the time. I'm like, well, actually, no. I, I know why I said this. We went to March Air Force Base earlier in that year. Gunny Stoughton, who ended up becoming a gunner, uh, was overseeing our training. I had a squad, and we go in, and we make contact. And like any good Marine, attack the enemy. So I'm throwing guys to the front, throwing guys to the back, and we're just getting, it's a meat grinder. We're getting tore up. So Gunny Stoughton just like stops training. He's like, come here, come here. Why would you do that? I'm like, well, it's the enemy. We gotta go kill him. It's like, why would you not call in like tanks or air, like anything? A rocket, something, something, yeah. Marine with a rifle. I was like, oh, I didn't know it was an option. He's like, bro, it's always an option. And so, <laughs> so yeah, that happened. And then fast forward, now we are, uh, you know, December 2004, and this is happening right before my eyes, you know. And this gunny's like, go, go, and I. I was attached to this company. Nobody knew me. I wasn't wearing rank or anything like that. So I'm like, Gunny, go after yourself. Nobody's going up there. We're pulling out. We're calling in an air. Get out of here. I guess I had some like force behind it when I said it or something mm-hmm, like that. He's mm-hmm. like, it just kind of stutters. He's like, uh, aye, aye, sir. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah. So like, the two Lance Corporals behind me are like, thank you so much. You know? And um, at the time, I'm not thinking much of that, but like, I'm glad I made that. I'm, Months before, you don't even see... That, that was the most clear-cut example of realistic training transferring to real-life situation yeah. and saving lives, literally. 
you know, I credit Gunny Stout 100%. And um, it, it, it was a bad day. You know, we ended up getting everybody up. I think they, they, they you know, called in air. And devastators destroyed those buildings and the enemy died. But And nobody else did. And nobody else did. But, I mean, it was so... I knew why that decision... What led, I knew what led to that. I knew what decision led to that. And I know who did it, you know? And so... Was it somebody that was just trying to make a name for themselves? Or was it gross negligence? Or is it poor training? Like, what leads to that decision? Because, like you're saying, that seems pretty clean cut for somebody that knows what they're doing or has any experience at all. It's like, no, we don't, you know, like, this isn't the Red Army. We just don't send our guys into it, especially when we have tech. And and that, I don't know how much UAVs we had, but we had oh. fixed and rotary wing at least at that at that time with HIMARS or fixed. with uh, Hellfires. Okay, fixed rotary. You had tank, it all right. AAVs, two cap sections. You know, Total. rockets, missiles, yeah. everything, everything. Um, and it wasn't used. So, all right, to to your question, I don't know. I, on my nice days, I want to be like, well, you know, they were just doing what they thought was right, and you know. It ended up being wrong. On my bad days, I'm just, yeah. Like, that gave me PTSD for years, you know? That in combination with, oh, man, I I checked into recruiting duty a few years later. Mm -hmm. He was my my RS commander. The person who made that call? Yeah, and I found out, like, you got a bronze star that day. And you got promotion. You know, like, two bronze stars, and then, like, you find out about, you know, Hawthorne. And he was like the battalion commander for that. And he just like, I remember hearing from the Marines over that unit. It was just like, yeah, this guy just like pushes us all the time. Pushes us no matter what. And like, it doesn't matter like how tired. It doesn't matter like what we've been through. Just throws us into it. And it was like, I knew a guy like that in Fallujah, you know. And he's been awarded for doing so ever since the beginning, eh? Yeah. And, I, you know, again, I, I want to forgive and I want to understand that people are human and they make mistakes. But at that point in time, it really affected me, you know, to to see that. And, yeah, there were people trying to make a name for, him, for themselves. Like, I don't know if that was him, though. I think he genuinely meant well. But I think in his mind, you know, the same way I did in training, this is the mission. Throw the Marines into the meat grinder. Let them accomplish the mission. Kill the enemy. Like, he did it like that, except this wasn't training when he did it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he took a lot of casualties in his, in his company. And, um, you know, I think ultimately like a good guy, nice guy, but like you need somebody who mixes mission accomplishment and troop welfare a little bit better, smarter, not harder type of thing. And, mm -hmm. and somebody who would listen to the enlisted because around him at that time before that decision you had staff and COs and sergeants like sir we got this 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 like what do you want to do it's like no 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 my guys guys everybody's just like huh <laughs> you know it's just such a out and left field decision sounds like gross negligence but I, I think so um probably you know there you was know. a mindset there's a mindset in the there was in the gunner community like when I got home from Marja I had a gunner uh, that was given a class at Marine combat instructor course talking about how being pinned down was a frame of mind. And I'm like, mm, I 
shouldn't raise my hand, but I'm going to. Mm-hmm. And I did, you know, and I got an ass chewing over it, but I'm like, no, sir, I've been pinned down. Right. Literally. Yep. Well, where the, where the fuck do you think you've been pinned down at? And told him where he's like, well, I ain't talking about marching. <laughs> but his point was, why are we calling in ordinance on one guy bearing an ID? Why are we calling in ordinance on something that a rifle squad could handle? So it's kind of like that same mentality. And for me, it's like, nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. If I have my way, I'm calling in ordinance before my guys even get in range why not? of somebody else. Like, why Why do we have all these missiles strapped to the bottom of these planes and helicopters? Yeah, yeah, are we save, saving money? Like, what are we doing? Um, yeah, because I have a situation like the day we lost Hanson in 10 we tried to fire. We tried to fire bigger ordnance. The mortars missed. Called in skids. When the skids came in, we didn't have a JTAC. So we had Type 2 control, and they couldn't get PID, even though there was two machine guns in a bunker getting after it. Right. You know, that kind of stuff could have saved lives. It's kind of different. It's a little different because we had the... There's a connection, though. There is. Mm. So, I, yeah, you know, and it's frustrating. When you know what could have happened versus what did, and mm. you know it's inherent. Again, you're going to lose people, and I get that, man. It, it, it's war, and that never affected me. I came back from that deployment, like killing people, seeing people killed. It, it didn't. That's combat. That's what mm-hmm. you join for, you know. But when it happens like that, that's not cool. And then there was there was another situation, and this is kind of what you were referring to earlier. There were a lot of guys out to make their career out to get an award um when i say a lot that's a relative term but most of the marines just wanted to survive do their job and take care of their buddy to their left and right but there are people out there um you know putting themselves on post like (laughs) at your rank sir that they wouldn't you have no business here you know what are you trying to get shot they are because everyone's a combat action ribbon and um you know, the OIF one was so pure. Nobody knew combat. Everybody was definitely scared because, you know, it's whatever. The awards occurred, and it was just, that's, that made sense. But then you started seeing people get awards based upon rank. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, so-and-so, what are you doing on top of that gun? And then, you know, two months later, you see you're standing in the... um the award formation and so-and-so fired blah, 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 and killed X amount of insurgents. And you're like, I was there. It was like 1500 meters away nighttime. And you're dumping 240 or Mark 19 rounds, like into a, a, a building. You have no idea you killed anybody or not, but you know, mm-hmm. I guarantee a Lance Corporal never would have got, in fact, the Lance Corporal who got kicked off that gun didn't get anything. But when the other individual got up there, they got something. And so, that's not good. No. I don't care what realm, what spectrum you want to talk about. It's not good there. It's not good later. That's a, a morale killer. Yep. I'm a firm advocate of like, I hate the award system. I, I really hate it because now people, you know, end a tour award, you know. Well, <laughs> if you get it, why don't these guys get it? Yeah. You know, and it, it creates bitterness. And uh, I, I do believe that like E5 and below, O3 and below, maybe should be getting awards after that though like what's the point mm. what's the whole point for like a guy who's been in for 12 years okay you had a platoon for six for you know three years you're getting a nam mm-hmm. or a navy com 
for doing your job. You know, I just, I don't like the awards thing. And then I'm with you. And that's just peacetime. You know, that's just the end of tour. Like, never mind the ones where it's like, this guy wrote himself up for what this guy did. And that happened too. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say names, but I remember a certain individual who, he just retired as a lieutenant colonel, was like, Kermit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vent to you, man. Like, what I did, like, I don't, I don't want an award. Don't get me wrong. But, like, what I did, so-and-so, so, like, wrote himself up and got a silver star for, like, my actions. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Dude. That's tough. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, like, those people, they'll have to live with that. Are you wearing somebody else's award? You'll think about that every time you put your uniform on. You'll think about it every single time that you tell the story that wasn't your story. You have to. You, you have right. to, you yeah. have to. And that's got to be such a, because not only are you faking something that wasn't you, you're telling it over and over and over. So there's like envy. And then there's, there, there's the fact that you're lying. And then there's the fact that you have to face that later on in the evening because you know you're lying. Right. And um, I felt like a mad hater too, because that guy spoke at my, uh, it was the guest speaker like um, when I was a recruiter. You know, silver star recipient, blah blah blah. And it's like, <clears throat> let me tell you what really happened. Yeah, you know, man, and it's like tough. everybody else is like, oh, he's like you're, and you're just sitting there like, okay, I know what really happened. And but then you also see another one that kind of made me sick: bad decisions. And then it's like, guys would write up awards for like pity almost on for guys who who died. You know, and it's like, I guess I don't really want to go there too much, but you just start seeing selfish. Yeah. Motive, careerism, and, you know, the um, the class structure, I guess, if you will. The benefits for these guys, lack of accountability for these guys. And then you see why people, get, quality Marines get out, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, they don't want to stay in for that type of stuff. And those are some extreme examples and everything like that. But right now, is it's... But they're examples, man, that if we don't talk about ever... Because nobody wants to talk about that stuff. Nobody does. It even feels weird talking about right. it. Like, yeah. like I don't want to degrade them because they're still warriors. But at the same time, if we don't ever fix that, that will become a bigger problem than what it is right now. It becomes a problem where these people then move up to the levers of power. And those same people, if we don't fix it, go to the levers of power. And when they're there, yep. that's a problem. It's a bigger problem than when they're down here not touching the levers of power. And that is exactly what we're seeing play out right now in my opinion. It's exactly what we're seeing. You know, and this happened a while ago, but it became the culture. And now that is the status quo, mm-hmm. you know, and Marines aren't dumb. They may be enlisted and young, but they see what they see. And, 100%. you know, I, the Marines I'm in charge of right now, like they don't want to stay in the Marine Corps. You know, they know that it's being treated as a, like a corporate job, you know, by certain people. I think by certain people, it's being treated as a social experiment on how far can we can we change things? How far can we take this warfighting organization before they say no? Without a doubt. And I don't know where that experiment ends, but I can tell you it's not going to make us more deadly and it's not going to make us more uh, versed on the battlefield. So I wanted to stay in. I didn't want to retire at 21 years. I wanted to stay in. I couldn't stomach it anymore. Mm -hmm. I couldn't live that lie anymore. It's not what it used to be. 
you know, at some point the, the writing is on the wall is on the wall and you have to read it and you have to make a decision. So I was on the uh, I was on the fence for quite a while. Can we fix this? Can we save this? I got I got to save it. I'm staying in. You know, I got I got to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I got my circle that I can my sphere of influence, you know. Yes. It's a losing battle. And I don't want to be like this horrible naysayer or anything like that, but people are going to die based upon these policies. People are going to die based upon this lack of accountability for for leadership. You know, uh, the lack of priority for war fighting right now, because war fighting is not a priority in the mm. world. Contrary to other people, and I don't want to take anything away either, because I know what people did in Afghanistan with the withdrawal, and like there's huge stories of heroism. And like you're always going to see that from the junior Marines. You, yeah, at the at the operational level, you'll see it always. You know, or tactical tactical yeah. level. Op, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you meant, but um, you, you always see it because like politics doesn't play around in a gunfight right anymore. Like you know, our Marines are awesome. I, I love them. I just couldn't be more proud the way they conduct themselves. And it doesn't matter. I think it's timeless almost in that. So I'm grateful for that. But you can definitely dig somebody into a hole before the fight begins. And they shouldn't have to dig themselves out of that hole. I remember t- my dad telling me, he was like, in Vietnam, it was like fighting a war with one hand t- tied behind your back. Things that they could have done to set them up for success, they didn't. It's like they didn't want to win the war. And, uh, and, and at the time, I'm like, well, that sucks, man. You know, like... We don't have that problem anymore. <laughs> and then, you know, fast forward X amount of years, and you're like, oh, my gosh. They don't want to win the war. Like, that's not the priority. There's there's this and that. and It's a racket. It's a, a lot racket. of it's a racket. It, it is. And Always has been a racket. Some, I'm fighting with this. I almost never get on Facebook and argue with people, but this <laughs> dude yesterday is, like, telling me, he's like, war hasn't, politics has no place in war. And I'm like... In theory, that sounds really good, but war is really an extension of politics. And if you've ever served enough time, and he just kept denying, I was just like, "Okay, you're a naive boot." It no is offense. literally the you know, last full measure of completing a political objective. By definition, is what war you. is. Thank you. And uh, maybe I've I've gotten to an age and experience level. I got six kids. I got this great wife, and I've. I've been blessed by God to like live through certain things and and have all this I don't want to go to combat again you know and I I'm not a coward it's not that it's really not that it's just that I don't I don't believe in why this country goes to combat you know and um money yeah oh yeah um I mean that's almost that's almost why every time Money and yeah, I think it boils down to that. Natural resources boils down to money. Yeah, and, you know, to some extent, you have to keep your country going by that. It, it, there's certain wars that are worth being fought for, for those reasons. It's just that, like, don't lie to us. Don't tell us it's for humanitarian and we're doing this and we're doing that. No, it's not. You know, and um, so you know, you'd like, rather them just come right out and say, "Hey, guys, we're uh, coffers are empty." <laughs> Daddy needs some oil. We gotta go. We Say gotta go it. start a war. <laughs> and then keep CNN away from us. Keep the cameras out. And At least the truth was there. The war. Yeah. yeah. Instead of like this, this lie that it's like, oh, we're gonna go fight this war and fight the enemy. But 
we have these rules attached to how we do it. And it's like, no, like they don't play by the rules. Let well, us. We are the only we're, ones that play by those we're rules. We're the only ones, you know. And so, like, you know, like, I hear the stories my dad told, and we he does these reunions with like Kilo Three Five. Yeah. And you get like a. It's so cool meeting these guys. Um, we used to meet them a whole lot. Young, I was like younger, but uh, a guy named RV Bergen. Okay. I don't know if you know him, but like, you ever watch the Pacific? Yeah. All right. So Bergen is like Sledge's squad leader. Okay. He ended up like going to Australia and marrying that girl and everything like that. So like that, that's, that's a real dude. And he was Kilo 3-5 and I met him and you hear his stories. There's guys from Korea there, Vietnam, and you're hearing all this and, um, they're so different in how they tell the stories because that dude would just matter of factly tell you what happened. And I'm not going to say his words, like pick up one of his books or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. But this dude was just calmly, you know, 80, whatever, 90 years old. Just tell you, yeah, it went like this. We did this. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, your chain of command had your back, dude. Like the yeah. people had your back. You got to do whatever you needed to, to win. It's not like that anymore. Well, and, you know, it's not like that in our war, but if we fucked around and slipped into an Axis and allies war, yeah, where it was superpowers and near peers, like that, uh, yeah, and I don't. I don't know too, what it would be. I don't want to get too macro with the discussion, but like, um, should we be fighting some of the wars that we're fighting for the reasons we're fighting? If it isn't for those type of reasons, these these World War level ones, and why are we fighting? Why are we getting mixed with these little tiny engagements? Farmers in that, the Middle East, you know, people are losing their lives. Yeah. People are dying. People are being affected forever. And like, you know, I mentioned one name, Gary Van Lubin. Like his family was affected. Mom, dad, brothers, sisters, uh, friends. And like, that's just one name. You know, think of all the people we lost. In the ripples. And, and Iraq. Yeah. And, you know, money for the country. Like just human resource, human capital. And then, and then like, no kidding, money. This yeah. country has just wasted so much on stupid wars yeah and they are i don't care what anybody has to say like the entire population knows about it i used to be hating anti-war people but like there's a sentiment in me now it's just like okay i don't want to fight that war we shouldn't have lost these people we shouldn't so yeah i'm retiring yeah it's like war but for what you got to make me believe that we need to go to war not that we want to go to war i heard somebody one time as a mentor of mine and he said it should be so serious to go to war that the president of the United States, because he should understand the gravity of what he's about to do before he ever declares war, he should have to take a revolver and blow the brains out of an American citizen. And Dang. if we don't need to go to war that bad and you won't want to do that, then you don't need to go to war. I like it. I mean, yeah. Because that's, that's exactly what you're about but to that's do. That's exactly what you're doing. And so if it's not important enough for us to go and you can't do that yeah. because that's what you're going to do anyway. If you can't do that, then you better not go to the go to the Congress and ask them for a declaration of war. And you know what sucks too is we don't have a leg to stand on as service members. We don't have a voice. You know, Scheller did what he did and like he's gone. You know, kicked him out. And a lot of people agreed with him, but um, the only voice we have at this point is just get out, just get out. And and it's happening in droves. Mm-hmm. You know, our peer group. Uh, the younger guys, you know, 
and it's very unfortunate because you know if you don't give people hope something to believe in for, for what's right why should they give their lives mm. you know well but, they'll stop and they'll stop well you see that yeah. in all the other branches not the marine corps Hoorah. we came in uh with an a plus plus strong but these other uh these other branches didn't hit their recruitments came in, the, came in as a week i was told the marine corps didn't this year i was told they did did they have to look okay. into I mean, it there's a lot of I'm, I'm i was told we did but i'll look I'll double check. That'd be good. But I know that we were rated as strong, and uh, some of the other branches weren't in this last little evaluation. So, which is to be expected, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Branch, <laughs> you know? Yeah, second to none, baby. <laughs> um, what's next for you? Good question. I mean, so, I know retirement's coming up. Yeah. But what what's your plans? I know we talked offline a bit about SkillBridge, which I'm a huge fan of. The more I hear about it. What's your take? It is great. It's a good program. It's, you know, when you're pulling a trigger and, and stuff like that, like you don't have time to go get a skill, you know, and you didn't do college or whatever the case. So SkillBridge is great. It gave me uh, two and a half months to go out and be an electrician. So I'm going to be an electrician. Um, it gets my hands busy. It gets me moving. It gets me out of an office, keeps me working, keeps my, my brain working. And uh, I like the work. It, it's fun. So, and then, you know, it, there's a lot of opportunity. One thing I've learned being in the military, so I don't want to be working. I don't want to work for the man, mm-hmm. you know, the rest of my life. So as an electrician, a trade, any trade, you can get licensed, you can start your own business and you can take that to any limit you want or keep it as minimum as you want. And sure. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I do know that, you know, like I said before, God has blessed me so much and I've got an amazing family, awesome wife and like. One thing when you're working eight hours a day or you're going to 29 Palms for 60 days or you're deploying for six months, seven months, it makes you yearn for the opportunity to spend time with your, your, your spouse or kids, you know, like, and so now I have that time and, you know, I'm in my backyard playing basketball with my daughter, um, teaching my son how to drive, taking my wife on dates or, or trips, taking, going to concerts, um, being able to live your life because I feel like I was on pause for 20 years or something like that, you know, and in some aspects, and now I get to start a whole new chapter. And so I'm grateful that I get that opportunity. And, um, yeah, March 31st is the the ceremony. I think I'm out April 30th done. And, um, what are you doing to that? I'll send you the invite. Lejeune area? Uh, yeah, Lejeune area. So, uh, you know, building two logistics, uh, yeah, old MLG building behind it, building two, uh, on March 31st at one o'clock, 1300. But, um, <laughs> 1 p.m. Yeah, you can start saying it now. <laughs> so, what was I going to say? Oh, I wasn't going to have a ceremony. It doesn't seem like kind of arbitrary to have a ceremony for like you getting out. Of, yeah, like, yeah, they didn't I'm let you do careers, that, did they? You know? Um, they were going to. I wasn't going to have one. I really was not going to have one. I think you'd regret it. I, I know it right. seems so super stupid, but it does. But that's the that's the closure. That's the end of a chapter. And I, I still wasn't going to. Everybody, everybody said the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, okay, everybody's saying that. Maybe there's some, but I still couldn't wrap my head around. They're like, oh, it's for your family. I'm like, well, what does my family need a retirement ceremony for? It's dumb. I'm not doing it. And uh, I was, my, my brain's always active. I'm thinking this stuff, and uh, I'm thinking, you know what? This is my one opportunity to give credit where credit is due, mm. starting from God to my my parents, my wife, my everyone who's helped me along the way, you know, and um, which 
you know, we, we live our day, our, our lives day by day. And sometimes you just don't have time to say thank you or people don't realize that. So this is, and when, when I thought about it in that context, I was like, I have to have one. Oh yeah. So about a month ago I made that decision and, um, you know, like I'm looking forward to it. I'm not going to write a speech. I'm definitely going to stumble over my words and say stupid things, but like, I got to get that out to, to everybody there, you know, yeah, because yeah. I really am grateful. Um, I probably come off as prideful and you know, arrogant sometimes with people, but like, I'm so thankful for, you know, from beginning to end, everybody who helped me along the way, everybody who made me better, even when I didn't think they were making me better. You know what I mean? It's, it, that We're so lucky in the Marine Corps to have that because we have those stories about, you know, the squad leader or that platoon sergeant or whoever. Um, regular jobs aren't always like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more in detail. And with the Marine Corps, it's like you live with these people. You go to combat. You you know, it, it's so, it, it's intimate in that, you, mm-hmm. in that, that leadership and that, that mentorship. And uh, it, it when you're talking about people's lives at stake, you know, it, it, it's, it's impactful, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, it just meant a lot to me. I wish I could invite more people, you know, but I just don't want to turn it into a circus, oh, yeah, yeah. you know? And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not inviting random people from the command or anything like that. Like if, if you're there, it's because you meant something to me, Yeah, yeah. you know, like I'm not just going to send out these mass invites or anything like that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, man, we've been going at it for about 93 minutes now. Wow. Uh, doesn't seem like it when we're in conversation, but... No, um, this was fun. Uh, thank you for the invite. No, nah, man, I appreciate you coming on, And also, man. thank you for what you do. Like, I think it's really cool and meaningful that you do this and, um, you know, getting these voices out and perspectives because, you know, it it changes a mindset or it, it makes things better. You know, like, even for me to come here, like, I was really nervous about it at first. Like, what am I going to talk about? Nobody cares about me. Why should I talk about me? And just getting it out and being able to get my voice out and just be honest and, and, and humble, you know, it's, it, it's been a lot. So I appreciate no, that's it. That's great, dude. And I get your story out and maybe we don't have senior Marines that are treating, treating new guys like complete dog shit when they're going to be the one winning the day and saving everybody's life in the backside. So, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's important, man. It's important that we put down this, type of dialogue for the guys that are coming to fill our shoes and the guys that are coming to fill their shoes because this will be out there now until the internet's done people can learn from this and learn from your exploits Uh, so i appreciate it man i think we should go shoot yeah Uh, brother let's do it let's do it all right guys till next time well that concludes this episode thanks for listening to choices not chances podcast please share like and subscribe wherever you listen or watch our podcast You can also follow us on social media at Choices Not Chances Podcast. Thanks, and have a great day. Louisiana Gun Shop, your firearm headquarters, specializing in concealed carry guns, ammo, and training. You can get your Louisiana permit with us. Also, a large selection of AR-15s, or if you are that build-it-yourself type of guy or gal, we have all the parts to build and customize your own AR-15. Glock, Sig, Taurus, Ruger. We have all the brands, both in the store or at louisianagunshop.com. Not too far. You're marking a building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's a funny, funny shot. Yeah. Funny.